0: Front
1: office, please hold. Hey, yo, and welcome everybody to the Front Office podcast. Kev, Jet, and Kyle back with you again this week. Um... And, of course, the Front Office Podcast would not be where we are today without our pals over at the Smoke Shack and BTP Smokehouse. Kev, hit them with that promo code. Top 10. F-O-P-10 on your online checkout for the best barbecue you will get in Canada, bar none. And, of course, our other pals, Human 2.0, world-class fitness facility in Ottawa, Ontario, Go sign up for one of their free trial classes, and when you mention the podcast, you will get a second. Gentlemen, how are we feeling today, Kev? I know you're a little under the weather, but other than that, how are we doing? You know what? I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Although I fell on my back today,
0: so that's a little sore. (laughs) My son ran out onto the deck this morning, and I ran out in my slippers, and the deck was frosty. And all my rear-facing neighbors got to watch me go completely parallel with the ground, ass over teakettle, and the sound of my back hitting the deck could be heard throughout the entire neighborhood. And It was one of those falls where you don't get up right away; you just kind of lay there for a minute. You're hurt, but your ego
1: is the thing that's hurt the most, because your three-year-old is standing over you like you're a little bitch. <laughs> it it it, it, honestly, it honestly reminds me of uh, what's a dirty work where it's like the the lack of respect that's what hurts the most except except for that other thing that hurts the most but the lack of respect hurts the second most <laughs>
0: <laughs> Def, definitely similar thankfully not the same <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man well glad that you're feeling better from a sickness point of view but uh yeah i mean obviously if you're falling down on a on an icy deck it actually would benefit it because with the injury you'd sustain you're getting the automatic icing by being on the deck
0: yeah well that's just it and uh you know i was hoping my deck at the same time as icing it might have administered some kind of morphine but my deck apparently isn't, uh, isn't the greatest at uh, <laughs> distributing narcotics freely and voluntarily for me.
1: So what you're saying is is that <clears throat> your deck won't constantly improve you. You just hit the nail on the head, and that's the name of Jethro
0: segment. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Well done, uh, sir. A, little, a well, little, mi- there. little micro version of constantly improving today. Jet, what's that's, going uh, on, man? Title.
2: And just chill chilling 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 um
1: you look like you look
2: like you're 12 years old by the way i know right i i had to uh i had to you know sh- get rid of some of the some of the hair that I accumulated over uh over the covid period but the biggest thing is that i actually got the, the gumption to cut my hair because I, I as i was telling you off air i was i was worried it wouldn't grow back if i cut it because my my sister completely fucked with me and Told me I was balding, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And you
1: know, hold on, duck your that's... head a little bit. Duck your head. Keep going. Oh, I give
0: you eight months
1: top. Eight oh, months. Friend. Oh, Live. there it is, right Live there. Live like you've never lived. You're gonna ha- you're gonna have the Costanza.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: Jack. Hey, you know what? If that if that happens, I'm just I'm cutting it all. It's just how's he Blinded yeah. by yeah.
1: these lights. Just yeah. just look just... down. Just look down at what you see on the screen below you. And that's what's waiting you, Jethro. That is what is awaiting <laughs> you.
2: That's cool though. That's cool though. You know why? Because Kevin's a good-looking dude, so I'm
1: good Hobo with
0: it. Oh stanza, and
1: I'll literally be <laughs> blinded every time we do an episode because I'll be looking at two cue balls with the lights just beaming <laughs> off their heads. Hey,
2: don't don't make fun of us because you have more hair
1: on your chin than we have on our heads combined. You know what's the crazy part is? I shaved today good lord (laughs) good lord (laughs) all right gracious anyways we digress but um you know going into what we do every week so we're kind of at a stalemate right now for the weird weekly wager because jet you and i still have our wager that's kind of still up in the air so we're going to be holding on to that until we uh, know what's happening with that one and then kev obviously our wager from last week hasn't come to fruition either because neither the Packers nor your team has made a move in regards to a quarterback. So, you know, we're both kind of hung up in limbo here. So let's just, you know, put a pause in it because I don't want to have 16 bets on the go at the same time. (laughs) So, Let's just keep the two that we have in, in, you know, in, in the air right now. And we'll, uh, we'll just kind of ride with those. Is everybody good with that? Yep. Yep. We're parlaying it to, for another week, okay? We're letting it ride. Parlay. All right. So uh, you can put that one on the board, by the way. <laughs> so, so as you heard with our little opening, you know, intro, um, that was, of course, in reference to Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon um who passed away on the weekend and you know given the fact that i think not only the character that he portrayed when he was with the wwf back in the day but overall you know as a as a wrestler at 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 wrestling's peak let's be honest in our adolescence like he really did have kind of a, a special you know a special hold on a lot of you know people who are our age right we grew up watching the WWE, the WCW, and we watched guys like Scott Hall every week. And again, the characters that they portrayed were, you know, like real life to us. So, you know, given the fact that, you know, the man had one of the most interesting and tragic lives in, in all of, you know, in all of sports, let alone wrestling, um, you know, crazy to think that, again, no longer, no longer with us, but. Again, all the memories that you have from a guy like that, it's, uh, you know, again, it's it's crazy to think about. So, you know, in that sense, we decided to pivot our show topic this week to revolve around the world of professional wrestling. And we haven't done a wrestling episode before, guys. So, again, this is going to be a little bit different for all of us. But I went back and I listened to our Trivia 2.0. And Kev's topic of professional wrestling really, you know, kind of captivated me because I went back and listened to it and there were so many good little tidbits from those five questions that you had just in that segment, Kev. So I think realistically, this is going to be a perfect way for us to introduce our first ever wrestling episode. Are you guys ready to find out what we're talking about tonight? let's go do it so unlike our traditional way of segmenting out an episode we're actually going to bypass the grinding beans and constantly improving portions because we've got an insane story from the world of wrestling so tonight because scott hall has just passed away he was part of this story we are going to be talking and breaking down the plane ride from hell. So, anyone who is not familiar with the WWE in 2002, this is when wrestling was at its absolute peak. It's going all over the world. The Monday Night Wars have just kind of come to an end. You know, WWE has bought out their main contender, and main rival... And the roster that they were able to kind of put into place was absolutely loaded with talent. So you're getting all these shows traveling from, you know, from the United States over to Japan and then to Europe and to China and to Australia. And you're doing these crazy different, you know, house shows and pay-per-views that you never had access to before. So, Again, what happens when you have a bunch of giant individuals who are traveling, you know, across the country for long spans of time, you're not going to go on a regular you know, commercial flight. Because again, you're not going to sit a guy, the big show size in coach, you know, next to a granny who's 82 years old, who's going to visit her grandkids, you know, halfway across the world. It's not going to work. So what they used to do was they actually used to charter out their own private 747s, okay? And I'm going to share my screen because I'm going to read off basically the details of the plane ride from hell. So everybody kind of gets a, a sense of this. And Kevin and Jethro have no idea what's happened with this event. So this is going to be all new to them as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing their reactions as, you know, as we kind of break everything down here. All right. Again, guys, I know you don't have any background on this event, but is there anything that you think is going to happen over the course of this story? Hmm.
0: Um, There's zero chance that a plane uh, with the big show and other large men that eat and drink as much as they do is going to have a bathroom that doesn't overflow. I think that's going to have to happen here. (laughs) It's going to be. Feces and vomit, plentiful amounts of feces and vomit in this story. And I have to imagine that there's going to be a number of different assaults that occur, uh, some of the sexual assault uh, variety. And I'm imagining it's going to look a lot like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street, where they go down to Vegas for the bachelor party, only it's going to be probably the entire time uh, color commentated by uh, Jerry the King Lawler and JR. (laughs) (laughs) that would make it that would make that scene in Wolf of Wall Street even better
1: straight to hell Um. (laughs) by God by God (laughs) Jet anything that you think is going to happen during this story that you know might uh, that that might pique your interest and maybe kind of you know draw you towards a final conclusion I'm assuming it's going to be like an HBO show with a
2: lot of drugs, and a lot of gratuitous violence, and um, perhaps perhaps some inappropriate sexual stuff too.
1: <laughs> so HBO, HBO H- essentially.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, to say that you're both of you are kind of bang on with your assessments would be an understatement. So. You know, let's just sit back, relax, and buckle up and talk about the plane ride from hell. All right? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give the Coles Notes version of what took place on the flight. We'll kind of give analysis as we go. And then afterwards, I actually have testimonials from two of the wrestlers who were on the flight to give their firsthand depictions of these events so we'll get a very in-depth and immersive experience as to what happened on the flight and we'll feel like we actually were there so here we go so what i'll do is i'll kind of read off jim ross so jim ross we uh, kevin and i just made you know kind of comments towards his announcing style and he was actually the head of talent relations for the wwe at the time and essentially he was in charge of everyone on the roster This is something that Jim Ross posted on his Ross report the day after the flight had landed, okay? So Jim Ross goes on to state, the flight was about seven hours in length and at times was low-lighted by a handful of people who consumed too much alcohol and consequently acted like children whose parents were away and left the liquor cabinet unlocked. The conduct of the inebriated minority was unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Procedures have been put in place to ensure such conduct does not occur in the future. The bottom line is this yours truly is the person in charge of the talent roster. And the buck stops with me. We will do all we humanly can to solve the problem. So just from that statement alone, you know, some shit went down. (laughs) Okay. So this is kind of getting out in front of it and addressing it from a communication standpoint to say, okay, we know that we fucked up everybody. We're going to, we're going to fix the problem here. So as I was saying before um, the plane ride from hell was a private jet that was chartered from the end of their European tour. So the WWE was flying back from England to the United States. And I I apologize. I said April 5th earlier. It was May the 5th, 2002. Um, So it has been referred to as an orgy of excess violence and sexual misconduct that would ultimately spell the end of at least two notable careers. All right. So again, there's the sex. (laughs) We're leading into kind of what you guys were talking about. All right. Mm -hmm. So the incident occurred in the immediate aftermath of the very last pay-per-view under the old World Wrestling Federation name. So this was the last pay-per-view with insurrection that happened under the WWF moniker. This is two days before they had to change to the WWE. So they were actually in a lawsuit battle with the World Wildlife Foundation over the rights of the WWF. And they actually lost that. So think about this. They're in a highly publicized, world-renowned court case with, again, a world organization. And now this is piled on top of it two days before the ruling's supposed to come down. So a lot of stuff is happening all at once here. So again, instead of paying for commercial flights, they used to get these big 757s all to themselves. And again, this included all-you-can-eat food. You know, they had extra servers on the plane. They had full open bar carts. And the thing is, with the bar carts, there's not a limit to how much you can drink. If you order them, they have to bring them to you. That's the thing with these private jets. So these jets are chartered for like, you know professional sports teams so you're looking at like NFL teams will use these NBA teams will use these like these are really different style of jets and they're catered towards the rich and famous so that way they can you know have a a nice comfortable you know comfortable flight wherever they go but here's where things really kind of go off the rails and start to you know push push the snowball downhill as they get on the plane to take off from London International Airport to the States, there's increment weather. And what happens when the weather does not react well with the plane, gentlemen? I'm, I'm sort of speechless already as it is. No, but what happens though when, when there's weather that's preventing you from flying?
2: Well, no, you, you're,
1: you're grounded. You're grounded. You're grounded. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: This plane was grounded on the tarmac for over 7 hours. Good Lord. And I've think they that. can't they, that. What's that?
0: I've been stuck in a plane deicing for 3 hours and something people don't know they got to turn off the air. There's no airflow. Yeah. Uh, while they're waiting to
1: de-ice. It was a
0: horrible 3 hours.
1: Yeah. So again, seven hours and they can't get off the plane. Once you're on the plane, you can't get off unless there's an absolute emergency and they have to evacuate. So again, they're in a comfortable plane. It's not like a regular commercial flight. So they can start drinking, they can start eating, like they can do all those things, right? But again, they ran out of booze within the first hour. So naturally, what do they do? They order another bar cart. Well, the first bar cart went so well that the second bar cart, you know, went, went by the wayside as well. By the time they got into the air, they were on their fifth bar cart of booze. Okay, so that's the start even before the flight even happens. Okay. So what followed next was another seven hours of what Jim Ross calls alcohol induced idiocy in midair. So think about this seven hours stuck on the tarmac and another seven hours on the plane for the flight. 14 hours, these people were on this plane. All right. So to start, again, everyone's kind of feeling good. They're they've already got, you know, four or five bar carts into them. And because it's a charter flight, tend to be a little bit more lenient when it comes to um you know things like. Taking their own bags on the plane themselves, not having you know have to get checked like it would it would be in a national commercial flight, so you're now looking at wrestlers who are taking on you know bags and bags and bags of pills that you could buy over the counter because this is what wrestlers do to either mellow out or get themselves you know in a state of euphoria, so between the drinking and popping pills. Everyone's kind of feeling a little bit loose, a little bit good. All right. So everything started when two of the most famous wrestlers in WWE history, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and the aforementioned Scott Hall, went and broke into one of the bathroom cabinets and stole all of the canisters of shaving cream. So they're going around spraying everybody, you know, they're kind of doing a little joke around, you know, so again, to start out a little bit light, a little bit fun, as you know, these things tend to escalate. So again, people don't take kindly to having shaving cream, either put on them or, you know, used as a prank when you're tired and you just want to get some sleep. Kevin, you can attest to this on your bachelor party. When you were making yourself some eggs, you don't really want pranks to happen to you.
0: I was cranky i was grumpy i was hungry and i drank the vase full of
1: alcohol <laughs> so um what happened after this was that kurt henning went to a very young brock lesnar put shaving cream on his head while he was asleep and proceeded to smack the shaving cream into the top of brock lesnar's head causing him to wake up in a huff brock what? lesnar what's that
0: that's a classic move.
1: <laughs> Brock Lesnar then proceeded to chase Kurt Hennig from the very back of the plane to the galley at the front. They then proceeded to get into some playful wrestling and started a takedown competition because both are very good amateur wrestlers. Brock Lesnar being you know six foot four, three hundred pounds. Kurt Hennig being a very small six foot two, two hundred and sixty five pounds. And again, you take into account that they're very well-trained. You're going to get some big bodies flowing around and some momentum really causing some issues.
2: So, now, my question here is how big is this plane?
1: So it's a 757, <laughs> it's, so, it, so it's it, big. It's big, but
2: there's still seats everywhere, and these guys are massive.
1: Oh, yeah, and these guys are huge. But again, if you look at these planes, most of the seats are along the, out, the edges, so you're not going to have too much clutter in the middle of the plane. It's going to be open, right? So yeah, it's meant for people to get up and kind of walk around and mingle. So, again, the takedown competition becomes a little bit more, you know, severe over time because each guy wants to get the best of the other one. And they start to really, you know, take it up a notch to the point where Brock Lesnar proceeds to pick up Kurt Hennig and throw him into the emergency exit door which caused a giant bang and a popping sound to occur. So people start freaking out on the plane. Now, those of you who have been in a plane 25,000 feet in the air, you know that nothing's really going to make that plane door open at 25,000 feet with all the pressure that's there, unless it's like an absolute, you know, tidal wave or, a, you know, God forbid, a, a bomb, 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 as they would say in, mm-hmm. uh, in Meet the Parents but anyways nonetheless if you're on a plane and you hear that sound happen when two giant men are crashing into an emergency exit you're going to start to panic a little bit all right yeah <laughs> so finally things get kind of calmed down everybody gets back to it but after this the very famous nature boy rick flair comes out of the bathroom in nothing but his robe that he wears to the ring all the time keep in mind, Ric Flair is 60 years old at the time, right? (laughs) Ric Flair then proceeds to hit on all the flight attendants. He corners one at the back of the, he corners one at the back of the plane. And again, details on it are very, you know, very sketchy, but ultimately he's sued by both flight attendants that were present for sexual harassment. Okay. (laughs) Gold dust. Remember gold dust? <laughs> <laughs> so Goldust proceeds to steal the microphone from the flight attendants and, drunk off of his ass, starts to serenade his ex wife, Terry Runnels, aka Marlena. <laughs> so it got so awkward that the wrestlers actually had to go and get. The microphone from him because he started to break down in tears because they just got divorced at the time and it actually was making people so uncomfortable and you know off put that they had to stop it okay
0: but he's off putting on a good
1: difference. oh 100 he's a weird weird man
2: yeah why do i why do all i keep picturing is someone saying "You'll come get your boy yeah go get
1: your boy man <laughs> so oh, man. um again why we're doing this episode is because of Scott Hall. Scott Hall is also on this flight, as I mentioned before. With the substance abuse issues that this man has gone through in his entire life, obviously you know he's going to be at the center of these things. Early, Scott Hall was so drunk and drugged up that he passed out in his chair and people had to check on him to make sure that he was still alive and his heart was still beating because he was literally out cold. Okay. Now there's an incident that I'll talk about with him later on, but he comes to for a brief moment only to get himself into extremely hot water with one of the flight attendants. Okay. So things continue to spiral out of control. The more that this flight is is going. So you guys know who Michael Hayes is? The name sounds familiar. Michael Hayes is one of the, you know one of the guys he's one of the old wrestlers from the seventies, and he helps like book the matches and write the content of the w w e and stuff like that. He's basically you know one of vince McMahon's right hand men, so he gets up at one point and nearly urinates on Vince's wife Linda McMahon, thinking that he was in the bathroom, but he was in the first class area
0: <laughs> You know what though. I'm gonna give him a pass.
1: Probably, <laughs> he's probably aiming for Vince, and and ended up hitting Linda. I mean, you know, we wouldn't put it past it. But, anyways, you know, so now we're talking about pissing on somebody, which, again, not what you really want on a plane. So after he gets kicked, I out called of it from-
0: though urine feces. That's vomit. right. we
1: see, it's we're starting to get all the all all the boxes checked from what you guys were thinking of. So later. Michael Hayes gets kicked out of first class because he almost peed on the owner's wife and proceeds to make his way back to where all the wrestlers are. So JBL, okay, JBL is asleep in his chair. Michael Hayes, and he he had just been in a match where he got cut open. So he's all stitched up, he's bandaged up. Michael Hayes thought it would be funny to punch him in his stitches while he was sleeping. So, this caused JBL to wake up, and now he's gushing blood. Okay? JBL then co- continues to get up and knock Michael Hayes unconscious. So, Michael Hayes is literally knocked out cold on the floor of the airplane. So, Michael Hayes is out cold in the middle of the airplane. So, so all I'm
2: picturing is, remember JBL's finishing move was the clothesline from hell? Yeah. So I could just imagine a punch on that level.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, not to say that it would entice you to punch someone harder, but if someone ever hit me while I was sleeping, I'd be pissed. If someone hit me while I was sleeping and they were trying to open up my stitches for fun, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good scene for sure.
2: Hey, hey, Jet, (laughs) wait, Scotty's snoring. Wake him up. Wake him up. Wake up, Scotty, he's snoring. Hell no, nah, man. You see the size of that dude's fist? Man, just wake him up. Just-
1: yeah.
0: I still yeah. can't believe you did it. <laughs> Yo, my, my life flies <coughs> my eyes. He yeah. cocked his fist before his eyes opened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So, um, anyways, so now that we've gotten to that point, so Hayes is so cold on the floor. And what proceeds to happen is the wrestlers start to chant for X-Pac to come back. So X-Pac is kind of the life of the party type of guy. I mean, apparently everybody loves him, but he's one of those guys who's crazy and just does whatever, you know, people ask him to do. So he comes back and I'm like, okay, you you, got to mess with Hayes. You got to do something to Hayes while he's passed out. Mind you, Hayes is an executive with the WWE at this time, Okay. But like you got to do something to him, like he's he's he deserves it. He does, so <laughs> he gives him. Let's just say he gives him a haircut. I'll just leave it at that, and I'll get into more detail after. Okay, but he gives him a haircut. So Michael Hayes is renowned for having kind of like a, a Hulk Hogan style hairdo, bald in the top, very long like mullet style blonde hair in the back. Okay, gives him a haircut. So. After all this craziness happens, I mean, obviously, all of this stuff is just culminating for an absolute disaster. So, like you guys were mentioning, syringes were found on the plane. You know, people were using the back pockets of, you know, the the airplane seats as spittoons. There was food. There was vomit, you know, mashed into the carpets. The flight attendants and the flight crew actually locked themselves in the galley near the end of the flight because they couldn't deal with it anymore. And yeah, like I said, all from this, there were several wrestlers who were reprimanded, including three of which who were actually fired on the spot. So now that we've kind of gone over the plane ride from hell, let's go to the actual wrestlers' take on what happened. So again. These are two of the wrestlers who were involved on the plane. And we've got the aforementioned X-Pac, a.k.a. Sean Waltman, and Justin Credible, who is one of the hardcore, uh, what do they call ECW wrestlers that was there. So again, they were completely sober throughout this whole thing. So they give a full interpretation of all these events kind of, you know, as they happen. So here we go. From the mouths of X-Pac, and just incredible let's get some more detail on all of these events so just incredible basically states you know to start off at the time they were chartering flights they never went on commercial flights they just rent the whole plane so they did 757 so every wrestler, cameraman, you know, the, the ring girls, everybody, tour managers, everyone's on this plane. So it's not just wrestlers, it's everybody. They're all in different sections, okay? Um, so basically, he goes to say, now, what comes with that, but I don't think that Vince has ever done it since, was a full and open bar. So basically, he said 75% of the wrestlers on the plane were actual alcoholics. So the fact that there was an open bar was just asking for issues. So they basically just went through a grueling European tour. Their bodies are sore. They're already popping pills. They have an open bar. He says this is equating it to the last day of school. Okay, so that's that's in the words of of just incredible. As a teacher, I can
0: attest to this. <laughs> a lot of vomit, urine, and feces in the last day. Of school.
1: <laughs> so Xbox goes on to say, it was brewing. Everybody had their different little deals they were doing. Some people were doing GHB, uh, which is a painkiller, getting pilled up, everything you could think of. You could buy GHB in a health food store. It was legal. So for that reason, everyone did it, but we'd buy so much of it that it fucked you up. So again, you're talking about doing, they used to call them H-bombs. They drop a pill into someone's beer and it would knock them unconscious for hours so these guys are doing like multiple pills at one time so think about how messed up some of these guys probably were okay so he says events started more or less innocently when kurt hennig and scott hall got a hold of shaving cream canisters and proceeded to run around tagging multiple individuals just goofy stuff but serious stuff started happening after that so again this is their take on the brock and kurt hennig wrestling match So Sean Waltman says, Kurt Henning was always really competitive. Him and Brock, they hung out all the time because they lived in Minnesota. And ultimately, Kurt Henning acted as the big brother to Brock. So as a big brother, you're not going to want to lose your little brother in anything. Um, Justin Credible says, they weren't fighting at first, but they were so competitive that as they started messing along, something happened and it got really serious. It didn't come to blows, but you know the opening they have on planes Those openings are right in the emergency exit rows. Brock shooting on Kurt, Kurt shooting on Brock. It got to the point where Brock shot on Kurt and drove him so hard into the plane, a large bang hit, and the emergency door felt like it was going to pop off. The plane actually moved when this happened. Okay, so think about the impact that that has to have when the plane actually moves, (laughs) right? Or feels like it moves. So, anyways. It basically took three wrestlers to get involved to stop, you know, stop the fight. One of which was Kev's favorite, none other than Triple H, got in there and stopped the madness on behalf of his father-in-law. Brutal. He's not. He's not in the top. (laughs) (laughs) Young Kevin part of the greatest. Young Kevin would disagree.
0: I want the former (laughs) one-two-three kid in there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So Sean Waltman says, obviously management made a big deal of it, but you think the fucking door, it's impossible for it to open at that altitude. It was so stupid. Literally the flight before Vince and Kurt angle had a takedown tournament in the aisle as soon as, but as soon as it happened with uh, Kurt and Brock, they made a big deal out of it. So again, this is something that's happening on every flight, probably that they're doing these wrestling style shoot tournaments because they want to establish who's the manliest man of the men. Like, this is the kind of shit that goes that on in every flight. Now, that's the Brock and Kurt Angle fight. So, Kev, you had stepped away for a second when I had mentioned that Kurt, or Rick Flair actually was facing some sexual assault charges based on this flight, okay, and his actions. So, as I mentioned before, Rick Flair popped out of the bathroom after kind of dust and settle from the fight. And he was wearing nothing but his robe. Okay, so Sean Waltman says then fucking Flair comes out in his robe. Just incredible, you know. Adds on nothing on underneath, just him and his robe. So <laughs> Sean Waltman says he's fucking balls naked, strutting down the aisleway, giving us the full show. Just incredible ads, 60 year old man junk flying everywhere, going up to the stewardesses saying, Come on, sweetheart, woo, and opening up his robe. <laughs> you can picture it too. You can I'm just amazing. picture it. Hor- horrible, but amazing. It is, it's terrible. Like it's absolutely terrible. Like a 60 year old man doing that. Think about it. All right. Hey, darling yeah i've
2: been with the nature boy yeah. <laughs> please hide that thing yeah
1: sir please hide that thing. yeah so this is from a grantland.com report on what happened with you know the flair lawsuit so the two flight attendants i won't name them but they would compile their allegations into a 2004 lawsuit uh chief among the chronicled misdeeds was flair's sexual aggression he wore nothing but a jeweled cape. Uh, and flashed his nakedness spinning his male part around he separately grabbed each woman's hand and placed it on his crotch and then forcibly detained and restrained one of them from leaving the back of the galley of the airplane while he sexually assaulted her flair would later insist there is no truth to this instance though the wwe eventually settled out of court with both women so that's the nature boy incident that happened on the flight now we move on to the Gold Dust and the PA System Serenade. Okay, so as I'm I mentioned,
2: these caricatures, though, uh, yeah, that like that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty
1: good. Like especially this one with Flair.
2: <sighs>
1: Amazing. So as I mentioned, Gold Dust, very intoxicated, grabbed the microphone from the uh, from the stewardess and proceeded to serenade his ex-wife was also on the flight and really made it you know and people said this was the most uncomfortable part of it you saw all these other things happening this was the most uncomfortable thing so before he actually started singing to his ex-wife he went up to the stewardess before he, st- he stole her microphone and proclaimed that you and I are gonna fuck then he snatched the microphone from her and sang to his ex-wife So that's the gold dust incident. Wow.
0: That's how you get it started, though, eh? With your ex-wife? Yeah. Tell another woman that you are going to have sex with her. Then proceed (laughs) to serenade your ex-wife who you'd also like to have sex with.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Classic gold dust. Yeah. So Scott Hall loses consciousness on the plane ride from hell. So again, we're going to get some more... um, You know, intel from Justin Credible and Sean Waltman here. So Justin Credible says, you had Scott Hall out there too, out of his mind, completely out of his mind, shimmying and shaking. Hall didn't last long on the flight before slipping into unconsciousness. Although there were conflicting reports about his involvement in the shenanigans, um, Jim Ross himself insisted Hall was not involved with any major incidents when he was awake. He seemed to have done enough to put his last rights to to his ailing WWE career. Um, Aside from the shaving cream incident, basically the thing that really got Scott Hall in trouble was when he was under the influence and something happened, like like I mentioned before, with one of the stewardesses. In the harassment allegations, one of the flight attendants claims Hall grabbed her, slobbered on her face before telling her he wanted to lick her nethers he then told the other flight attendant to
0: stop stop for a second yeah (laughs) is that a pickup line from like the Victorian times
1: I'm not using the actual word I'm just
0: (laughs) (laughs) one of having trouble picturing Razor Ramon say this yeah so I'm also I'm also just going wait that sounds like something that would have been said 150 years ago
1: yeah so after she, after he was rebuffed, he went and asked the other flight attendant to lick his nethers. Um, then, <laughs> a, a, right after he if, asked them, if both, you say
2: that again, Kyle, you should say it with an accent.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he then passed out so deeply, in fact, that everyone had to check his pulse to see if he was still alive. Okay. And again, this is commonplace for Scott Hall throughout his whole career. Like, the guy gets so messed up on booze and pills that I think he's been clinically dead probably 15 to 20 times at this point. Until he does Diamond Dallas Page's cleanup program. Exactly. Um, okay, so Justin Credible goes on to say, I had to babysit Scott. I had to stay you know, straight, which is basically you know sober because everyone else was so fucked up. Um later when we got off the flight I had to get a wheelchair to roll him through customs at John F Kennedy Airport. He was literally non-responsive. I remember Jim Ross sitting in baggage claim with his briefcase just going with a disdain you know a disdainful shake of the head, that look of disgust and I literally looked at him and shrugged like what do you want me to do? So they actually had to claim that Scott Hall had a medical condition and that he would pass out at high altitudes. Because customs were like, what's going on with this guy? So think about that. There's a guy who's so under the influence that you don't even know if he's alive or not. It's like weekend at Bernie's mm-hmm. rolling him off the plane. Like, imagine that, picking up his hand, like, hey, say hello, Scott. <laughs> see his hand pop up. Jeez. Wow. All right. So now we get to Michael Hayes, and Michael Hayes loses his mullet okay so I mentioned that x gave him a haircut just incredible says Michael Hayes was getting real bad and he's got a lot of heat so basically means that everyone hates him so nobody likes him he was drunk rowdy as fuck being a dick loud and obnoxious Sean Waltman says Hayes almost pissed on Linda he was all fucked up trying to whip his dick out stooped over tugging at his trousers. He didn't know it was Linda. He thinks it's the fucking bathroom. (laughs) He then says, wait a minute, wait a minute. He just keeps saying, wait a minute over and over again until finally someone grabbed his arm and brought him to the bathroom like a child. (laughs) Just Incredible says, JBL had just had a killer match earlier on pay-per-view and had been cut open really bad. Sean Waltman adds, I had a match with Bradshaw for the pay-per-view in England. And he got some real bad color, so that means that he bled a lot in his head. So he had the big fucking gash on his head. Justin Credible says he's just sitting there sleeping, bandaged up, getting some Z's. Michael Hayes comes up shouting, "Hey, you fucking redneck!" and pops him right in the forehead. Haltman <laughs> says, "You know the Freebirds thing where they were always... so this again." Michael Hayes is part of an old wrestling group called the Fabulous Freebirds. So I guess they used to do this thing, where they would like kind of do like the knuckle taps or whatever. So he went and actually, you know, popped um, JBL in the head and yelled, "Boom!" Just incredible <laughs> states just opens the gash right up. JBL's bleeding. He's in a suit, nice clothes, busted wide open, bleeding like a pig over his suit. Waltman says, and the, and the story goes that Bradshaw fucking clocks him and knocked him out on the spot. Justin Credible said he wanted to go after Hayes, but JBL's a wrestler, Michael Hayes' office. He's like your boss. What are you going to do, kick your boss's ass? But obviously, Hayes is way out of line. He continues the BS, but then he falls asleep because he's so fucked up for being punched. Waltman says, so Hayes is out cold, and he's got that fucking thing in a fucking ponytail, that mullet he's still rocking the mullet. And I said, someone get me a pair of scissors. I remember Lawler there just giggling. Everyone is like, no, 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 you're not going to do it. So I grabbed the scissors. Like I was pulling a a pair of tape brass knuckles out of my tights. I over-exaggeratedly reached down the front of his jeans and everyone's looking and they don't think I'm going to do it. I grabbed the ponytail I lift it up and I just went whack and chops it off with the whole, with the set of scissors and the whole plane erupts. The funniest part is Hayes would not realize that he had his haircut until he got through customs. (laughs) Wow. It's just incredible says I've never seen anyone who is so drunk and pilled up. Look at himself as we're going through security and saw the mirrors reflection. It was like something out of a movie. He popped out like stone cold, uh, stone cold sober. Uh, And this is going through customs and just goes out motherfucker. Now, Michael Hayes, he's red. He's so angry. He wants to fight people in customs. Like I'm talking about U.S. agents. (laughs) So bottom line is nobody actually tells that, you know, tells on Xbox and no one, like Hayes doesn't know who cuts his hair. So he's losing his marbles. And apparently he actually almost got fired over this because he kept interrogating people in the locker room for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. So Justin Credible says Vince could have gotten in trouble. He was technically in charge of the plane. Someone could have died on the flight. Vince didn't do a thing, and he didn't get out of his chair the whole time. So the aftermath. So again, let's look at who was involved in these incidents and what happened to them. So after a period of being on the out of the company, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, was eventually dropped by the WWE in late 2003, uh, this event being the major catalyst behind that eventual release. So he was put on suspension, and then he was brought back, but then eventually released. Kurt Henning, he was being seemingly held solely accountable for the aircraft door incident with Brock Lesnar, and, and actually was cut the very next day by the WWE. And The sad part is he actually went into a depression from this because he never got back to the WWE. He kind of toiled on the independent circuit. He actually died of a cocaine overdose the next year because of the depression. So Scott Hall, obviously, you know, I think we know what's coming with this. Scott Hall had been kind of, you know, cut and brought back, cut and brought back a few times based on his substance abuse. But with everything that happened on the flight, with him being so, you know, again, messed up going through customs, and the incident that happened with the flight attendants, they actually cut him outright and never brought him back again as well. So you got two legends in WWE who are literally just cut on the spot and never brought back in Mr. Perfect and Scott Hall. So the infamous ponytail and what became of Hayes' severed ponytail from the plane ride, Sean Waltman actually kept it, put it in a sandwich bag, and he tacked it up on the on the corkboard at the next event the next day. <laughs> so wow, wow, that is the plane ride from hell, gentlemen. What do we think of that story from a professional wrestling time for the ages? They need like I know they did a documentary
2: on it, but they need to make a movie.
0: honestly, it could not happen anywhere, it could have been us, could have been us on that plane. Let's okay, hold on. Here's my take everyone's going to be quick to say, you know, awful behavior, and it was, but you prefaced it perfectly when you said, uh, you know, the majority of the people on that plane were alcoholics and substance abusers in general, but they're also wrestlers who are notoriously in pretty much any. Like, if you take a football team and the head coach looks the other way when they start drinking on the bus and they realize they're getting away with things that they don't otherwise get away with and it's open bar and they're stuck there and have nothing to do, it's going to get crazy, right? Like, when you get a bunch of, I want to say dumb idiot jocks drinking, egos come out and stupid things like this happen, right? Yeah. I don't agree with the old expression of boys will be boys, but jocks will be jocks. Like when you get a bunch of people that are highly competitive in, in nature, right? Like they're, that's what they do. And they're all about physicality. You get some alcohol in them and they turn into morons. And uh, I reminds me of a bachelor party. I went to our good friend, good friend of the show, Pete Hogarth. We we're staying at uh at a motel that was attached to a hotel in uh, Niagara falls. Was it
1: a holiday? in? Ah, nice. The
0: motel hotel holiday. <laughs> in, you're, you're actually right. Say what? And just like the song, but it, uh, we were in the motel part and all of a sudden this, this other group, and it was all like middle-aged men that were clearly golfing all day. They show up and there's a bachelorette party. And it's hard to explain without a diagram, but the, the older male party of golfers were in the hotel tower And they're overlooking the motel where there was the bachelorette party, and then we were off to the side. And within minutes of drinking and being in their hotel tower, every room of that party, and there was like four or five rooms, had guys flashing their dicks and asses at these girls.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's what happens when you get stupid idiots with alcohol in them. They're going to turn to that, right? They're going to, you got Ric Flair walking around naked got multiple people try to sexually assault the people that are working that are serving them. Uh, this is this was bound to happen. If you're gonna have alcohol on that plane, it was gonna happen. And it's not just with wrestling. I, I would I would imagine stuff like that might happen on an F, on an NFL flight. If all of a sudden the head coach and HR wasn't as involved like if you go back 20 30 years ago and you give the NFL like Mike give the Dallas Cowboys and Michael Irvin a charter flight, Right nowadays with cell phone cameras and HR, Kyle knows all about HR. Yep. Right. Everything, everything that's come out of
1: uh, basically you, sexual harassment. You make that sound like it's in it's in a bad way.
0: Kyle no, knows about talking.
1: HR. <laughs> no, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> Kyle knows all about HR and sexual <laughs> <central> harassment, folks. <laughs> but but that's my take is you, you go back in time where Things get like there was a there was a fine line where a lot of behavior was slipping by. And then all of a sudden it starts, you know, people are being held accountable and you can't do those things. That was just at the cusp of it. That was the start of it. And uh, like you said, the WWE had reached its peak. It had money it never had before. And now you got a, a bunch of guys like Ric Flair, who used to wrestle in the 1960s at four or five different shows in one night. And uh and be drunk and stoned the whole time. Now you put them in into the lap of luxury in an open bar. This is how they're gonna act. Yeah. And uh I don't i I think that was bound to happen. That was a perfect storm of uh of substance abuse. It was going to happen, and I imagine all of their flights are dry since then.
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I think the general attitude of wrestlers, you know, since that point has changed too, right? Like you don't have the old school guys who are going and doing drugs until you know all hours yeah. in the morning and being drunk all the time you got guys who take their craft seriously because they know that a lot of money can be had if you actually go and perform at a high level all the time right so right um, yeah I, I i remember in jet you made mention of it earlier like there's a vice documentary actually about it and if uh if you guys you know looking for something to do go watch it because it actually is it details it a lot more than i did obviously but um yeah at one point i think it was rob van dam who uh, who they interviewed and he basically says like you know the line never meet your heroes he said that's exactly what happens when you get a, a lot of the young wrestlers who are on a plane with like rick flair because mm-hmm. i think that he's just so you know and again, like 30 for the ESPN did a 30 for 30 on Ric Flair, and you know, he's he's admitted like he he lived fast and loose for so long, and like he can't change and he can't not be the nature boy, right? He can't be Ric Flair anymore, he's always going to be the nature boy. So, um, yeah, like, it's it, it gets to a point now where, like, again, I mentioned that Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, like, he had such a a big persona and we can all, you know, remember so many different times where it's like, man, I watched him wrestle Shawn Michaels <laughs> and I watched him, you know, in WCW and the NWO and, you know, all of those things were so influential for us when we were kids. And when you're looking at it now, it's like, but that's who that guy was. And it, it, it kind of makes it, it takes away a lot of that adoration that you had for him because it's like, why am I going to look at, you know, why am I still going to look up to a guy who can't, keep himself out of trouble for you know a week at a time especially when it's like you got the whole world you know by the balls right now and you know you're still at a point where you're you know doing drugs like you are and you're drinking yourself into unconsciousness and you know all these other things that are happening but yeah it's uh it's a crazy story and i mean it really just goes to show like in kev you, you kind of mentioned it this is the kind of stuff that happens when you don't have a disciplinary figure in tow, because like, who's going to discipline these like six foot seven, three hundred pound, you know, wrestlers at the peak of their you know athletic condition? Jim Ross, like, it's not going to happen unless Vince McMahon's going to be back there saying the next guy who does this is getting fired. Well, nothing's going to happen with him, and especially when he's running these things like these you know takedown tournaments that Brock Lesnar and Kurt Hennig are doing the week before and probably on every other fight before that. So it's like, well, we see Vince doing it. Well, we're going to keep doing it, too.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I like my, my take on it, too, is wrestling in general is, is pretty messed up, but wrestling, like you were talking about Ric Flair and Scott Hall's in that group, too. You're talking about uh, a line of work that pretty much was in line with, like, carnival workers <laughs> From, it's really what it was wrestling was a traveling freak show really Ernie's for on
2: steroids,
0: Ernie's on right. steroids. It's, parties on steroids is exactly what <laughs> wrestling was for so long like even the first time i went to watch wrestling uh it was hulk hogan i w- it was like 1989 at the civic center which is now td place arena or whatever um and i went with my dad I was a kid and I was a freak for Hulk Hogan like everyone was, right? It was right before he had beaten Andre the Giant in in WrestleMania and, uh, you know, the passing of the torch and all that. But my dad was into wrestling too. And, like, it was just like a, you know, a a tradition. But its roots in wrestling in general was pretty much a a freaky carnival sideshow that traveled from city to city only from the mid-'90s on and probably the early-'90s does it really get to the level where there's so much money involved and not until Tim Turner starts up with WCW that you have these competing leagues. Do you see lots of money for TV deals and sponsorship? And then Vince McMahon just takes over the whole scene. Right. Uh, Did did
1: you, did you say Tim or Ted Turner?
0: Did I say Tim Turner?
1: (laughs) It sounded like Tim. Maybe you said Ted. I don't know.
0: Ted Turner, Ted Turner. Um, my apologies. I do that a lot. Didn't I do that with someone last show? Yeah,
1: you no, know, it was Jeremy Irons instead of yeah, uh, James Woods.
0: Very... <laughs> the one and only James Woods. Uh, Jeremy's Iron. Um, Alec Guinness, genuine but, but I just, uh, I like. You look at the wrestlers, like The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You look at those late '90s into the 2000s guys, those younger guys that are taking over from the you know the previous class those guys are making money hulk hogan made money he's the exception from that time frame no one else was making money like hulk hogan did that's because hulk hogan was you know a phenom he was you know world renowned and he put his likeness on every single thing you could think of yeah right he kind of did what kiss does what gene simmons does with with kiss right a mediocre band with lots of souvenirs (laughs) souvenirs <laughs> um but, uh, Joker, obviously he was the hulk but uh you, you know you get to the rock and a lot of those guys start figuring out hey we could turn this into movies we could use marketing we can make money now right if you're a big name superstar in the wwe you're getting paid now it's not like before where it's like hey rick here's your uh dollars for the last two months of work that you've done for us also did you want a bunch of pills and some alcohol part of the perks of being on the job. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's that's what it was. So, you get a mix of guys on that plane, it's going to go poorly. Yeah. Right? You've got, you got guys from a different generation. Like, take the guys, if you watch the show Mad Men, take the guys from the 1950s Madison Avenue uh, advertising world and put them into a room with people from today. Is very different, right? Like, they can't <laughs> just slap their secretary on the ass because the secretary today could also be a male and...
1: Sexual harassment
0: <laughs> is kind of frowned upon in the workplace. You go back then, it was the norm. So now you have guys that the norm was getting drunk and loaded at the end of every show, no matter where you were going. And they're with a bunch of young guys and they're trying to show off. I think that probably added to
1: it. Yeah, not to mention, you know, the old the old group drinking just a glass of scotch at nine in the morning during a business meeting. Yes. <laughs> Standard <laughs> Which, part for the I course. I mean, can
0: we bring that back? was <laughs> yeah. a little wrong, like Honestly, the day would go a lot smoother for everyone around me if I could drink scotch to start the day.
1: There you go. Jet, anything to add on that story of the plane ride from hell? I wish I was a fly on the wall. That's, that's that's all it is. I just can you like it's
2: one thing to get everyone's account from it and all the absolute chaos that was going on, but imagine just being there. And the other thing is imagine if that happened in the in this day and age with social media my goodness it would have been wild
1: the wwe wild. probably wouldn't exist anymore
2: no that would have taken it down not.
1: that would have taken every it down.
2: every parent that brings their kid to wrestling would be like no yeah <laughs> you're not going to that anymore so wow yeah. But like every time we watch a documentary with like Dark Side, Moon, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Dark Side of the Moon,
1: <laughs> Dark Side of the
2: Ring, Pink Floyd, <laughs> yeah. Dark Side of the Ring, you think to yourself, Oh my god, if, if social media existed and everyone knew about this, yeah, it, it would be insane.
1: Well, like you, you look at all of like the the best wrestlers back then. I mean, you're talking about Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. I mean, even look at during our time, like Shawn Michaels. Like if everyone knew the real story about Shawn Michaels and all the shit that he would do when he was a young wrestler, like he would never have a career. He'd be in jail. Yep. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But anyways, all that to say, like just an absolutely wild story and, you know, kind of spurred the, the conversation tonight due to uh, Scott Hall's Again, whether you want to call it untimely or maybe overdue, you know, passing this weekend because I think that guy has probably cheated death on dozens of occasions. Um, and for anyone who hasn't watched the uh, ESPN E60 on Scott Hall, go do that. One of the most interesting and tragic stories. Again, like I said at the start of the show, in all of sports. So um, again, some homework assignments for all you, all you the good listener. Dark side of the ring playing right from hell and Scott Hall, E60. Um, anyways, that's it for this week, everybody. Uh, I'm talked out because I was doing a lot of talking during that episode. And normally <laughs> I get a break when you two idiots are doing your part. So um, I'm going to go and uh, have some, uh, have some tea before bed so that way I can, you know, kind of soothe the the old vocal cords overnight.
0: I yes. a canner meal with some
1: honey. Well, you know, if uh, if I'm going to reference uh my kid's favorite movie right now in Sing 2 um when the lion says I don't like honey in my tea.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and listen. We uh, we can talk uh, about tea,
2: but we can't talk about Bruno. Never,
1: never talk about Bruno. Never um, talk about Bruno. Don't yeah, talk
0: about honey.
1: No, just going to get a nice uh, nice peppermint tea before bed, you know, just uh you know, keep the body guessing a little bit. So
0: well, in honor of wrestlers everywhere, I'm going to down a bunch of poppers, drink a fifth <laughs> of scotch and maybe uh, get into a fist fight with my neighbor.
1: And pass over the next 36 <laughs> hours. Yeah. Um, anyways, on that note, thanks again, everybody for listening. Thank you to Dine Sports for everything you guys do. You guys are fantastic. Go check out front dot and keep listening to the show. Everybody. We love bringing it to you. And, uh, Wouldn't be doing it if uh, if we didn't have you behind us the whole time. And on that note, Jet, you know what to do. Later, bitches. Hell of a show. Hell of a show.